This is the Reclaiming Families podcast. It is our goal to expose the lies that undermine, erode, and destroy the family while discovering and reclaiming God's design for gender, marriage, family, and sexuality. So join us for open conversation about the struggles and joys of reclaiming families. Welcome to another episode of Reclaiming Families. Now, we have one of our favorite people here. It's a uh, special privilege for the Littles to have on. Lindsay Wilsey. And so, Lindsay is someone very near and dear to my heart. She has had a great impact on my life. And there's probably a handful of people that I would say have really contributed um, to my life and my walk with God. And Lindsay is one of them. She's someone where I tell Randy all the time, like there are some people in my life where you just do not even know how thankful you are for that person. And Lindsay is one of them. She is, you know, courageously been walking with the Lord, giving her life away, discipling women. And she has a unique passion for helping people, um, walk through singleness, um, being single a little bit longer than expected, um, and helping people to be able to trust in the Lord. And um, so we have Lindsay on today to talk about reclaiming singleness. So Lindsay, welcome to Reclaiming Families. Hey guys, thanks so much for having me. This is a privilege to be here and I'm excited to get to talk more with you guys. Yeah, we're glad you're here. Well, tell us a little bit about you and your family. Yeah, so um, I'm originally from South Dakota and went to college um, at Murray State University um, on a soccer scholarship, and God ended up getting a hold of my life there, and I became a Christian in college, and from there really grew a passion for wanting to make Christ known um, on a college campus, so I joined a college ministry called Campus Outreach and started working for them a year or so out of college, and through that kind of moved around the country, lived in Missouri for a little bit, lived in Tennessee, Then I moved to Colorado and during that time um, met my husband on a blind date and um, we ended up getting married in the summer of 2018. So my husband's name is John and he is a Hoosier from Indiana. So I moved from the mountains of Colorado to the cornfields of Indiana and um, we, yeah, we got married in June of 2018 and then Um, We now have a little daughter named Evelyn, and she's 10 months old, and we're pregnant with another daughter that will be due in August. So I still um, have been working with Campus Outreach part-time here in Indiana, and my husband works for a company called Ecolab. Yeah. So, you know, you're obviously not single now, but singleness is a big part of your story. It is, yes. Tell us I did not get married that. until I was two weeks shy of being 36. So it was definitely longer than I initially had thought when I was younger. So, yeah. So in that time, like, tell us a little bit about the state of your heart. Did you want to be married? Were you just like content and, you know, head down, giving your life away, doing ministry or what was that like? Yeah, I wish that I could say that I was just perfectly content through that whole time. But I definitely was the girl that went to college, assumed I would marry the man of my dreams, and we'd live happily ever after, right after college. And that clearly did not happen. But I, you know, quickly started to think like, 
well, that's okay. I'll get married. You know, surely within the next few years, I'll get married. And I think as prospects began to dwindle and, um, I continued to not get asked out, um, really ever. Actually, I, I remember there was, I think it was a period of like eight years that I never even got asked on a date. And that was discouraging for me. That was not at all what I expected. That's not at all, um, what I assumed my life would turn out to be. And so it was disappointing and I, I wanted to be content. And I think some of that was because I assumed I'd heard those kind of sayings of like, well, once you're content, then God will bring the man into your life. And so I was like, okay, I need to get content because then it's like, I'll, I'll be blessed with a husband if I'm more content or, so I think I, and I wanted to be content because I wanted to be content in God and I love God, but I also, I struggled and I wrestled. And I, I think um, I came to a point in my late twenties that I um, recognized that I think I had really made marriage an idol and that I had sort of assumed that life began when I got married and that the true life was when you got married. And I really did not in a, like, it's not in a way that I didn't want to live, but I really thought like a fulfilled life would be the married life. And if I didn't have that, I kind of was like, why else would I live, you know? And not, like I said, not in a suicidal way, but in a like lack of fulfillment way. And so I think um, recognizing that I'd really put marriage as like an idol, this is something I have to have in order to be happy. God really stripped me of that in my late twenties and started to recognize like, okay, I want to start living now. Like my life doesn't begin when I get married. I'm going to start living today. And a silly thing that happened is I had, um, I'd always wanted to host people and have people over to my apartment, but I was embarrassed because I had like furniture from my college dorm room and hodgepodgey things from Goodwill. And, but I never wanted to buy anything because I was like, well, I'll get nice stuff when I get married or I'll buy nice, whatever. Once I'll get all that at a bridal shower. And honestly, I got to a point, I was like, what if I never get married? (laughs) Like, why am I waiting? Why am I putting my life on hold? And it wasn't like I was sitting around just twiddling my thumbs, doing nothing with my life. I mean, I was laboring on a college campus, giving my life away, doing all these great things, but I really, in my heart was waiting to get married. And I think at that moment, I was like, I'm going to start living today (laughs) the way for the, this is what God has given me. And I want to live today for him. And I ended up buying couches, which were a silly thing, but it really was like a testimony of like, God, I'm going to live for you today. And like, I'm not going to start, my life is not on hold. This is not plan B. This is not um, the the lesser gift. And so I think I really wrestled with all those things. And from that point on began to recognize, like, I don't need to be more content or have a better, you know, better looks or a better personality. Honestly, I really just needed a better perspective on who God was mm, and good. his goodness and his character. Um, because when I started to recognize who God was and like, that he wasn't withholding good for me, and I'll get into some of those things eventually, um, I'll share more of that. But I just, I think I really needed better theology and understanding of God. And through that began to grow more content and enjoyed my life and my singleness and was really thankful at times. That didn't mean I didn't struggle and didn't mean I didn't have hard things um, throughout those years. But I do feel like God really transformed um, my path of singleness more so than I could ever imagine to where I look back and I'm like, so thankful for that time. So I'm really thankful for that time. (laughs) Would you say... Oh, so you said like, you know, early 20s, really want to get married, um, not content. And then more toward like 30 or late 20s, you know, you said that, uh, yeah, that's the point where you say, okay, I'm going to stop putting my life on hold. I'm going to 
you know, say that, hey, this is God's plan A for me, not God's plan B. Um, I'm going to live and, um, you know, I'm going to be single. You know, I guess there's probably some more contentment. And so I guess my uh, my question was, from that point on till you got married, what was like the, the state of your heart? Was it, uh, it was like, okay, I'm just good in my singleness, content in my singleness and not really want to be married or still want to be married or what was going yeah, on? Yeah. I mean, I think I always longed to be married. There wasn't really any time that I was, that I didn't ever long to be married. That was like a major longing that I had. I, I mean, ever since I could remember, but I think I just understood more of like that I wasn't being slighted by God. And I wasn't, I think, like I said, I just started to understand God more and his character and his goodness to me. Mm-hmm. And I think, um, I do remember turning 30 was a, was hard for me as a single woman, just, um, mainly because my life was not at all where I expected it to be. I didn't have, I mean, all of my friends at this point were pretty much married with kids and sort of felt like everyone else was passing me by in life. And I was still single and doing a lot of the same things that I had been doing for a long time and nothing, there was really never any milestones in my life or big changes. And so getting ready to turn 30 was a harder time for me to process and work through like, yeah, just my life and where I was at and being single still and, um, not having that family that I had dreamed of and still longed for. But, um, I think because of all the opportunities that I was given and ways that I felt like I was able to invest in my singleness, I, I do feel like there was a lot of joy in that time as well. So yes, there was, um, definitely struggles, um, but I would say, and, 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 you know, discontentment and hard relationships that I, I had, I, I didn't necessarily date anyone. Actually, I, I, the first technically boyfriend that I had was my husband, um, as a Christian, I, I dated as a non-Christian, but, um, so for really for around 16 years, I was 16, 17 years. I, I didn't ever have a boyfriend. I'd gone on dates, um, and had some disappointments in those, um, some pretty hurtful ones at times that, did bring, you know, some, some hard things throughout those years, especially in my thirties. Um, mainly because I think I had really, when you're the older I got, the harder it was to, to think about that the loss of a relationship at that point, because it felt so, um, there was very few options it felt like, and it felt like, um, it was just a death of a dream that I'd had every time a, a date wouldn't work out or a relationship with a guy that I really liked didn't go the way I wanted or yeah. things like that. So kind of um, like the, the funnel was already so small that when you felt like, Oh, this could, this could be the one yeah, that it was like more crushing when it wasn't. Yeah. So that, that aspect definitely got harder the older I got. Um, but yet I also felt so much more joyful in my singleness as well at that state. So it was, it was both. I, I don't necessarily, I wouldn't say that I was like, just this perfectly content single woman, but I also don't feel like I was just like this bitter, you know, mad and angry, like nothing's going my way in life. I felt very like, I love my life when God has given me and I'm excited about it. But then I I did struggle and I wrestled with God over hurtful, you know, relationships or things that didn't go the way I wanted with guys or things like that. So definitely had both aspects, if that makes sense. Yeah. I think that that's one of the things that is so like make like has made me look up to you so much over the years is because I don't know. So did you buy those couches right around like for your 30th birthday? 
It was in my late twenties. I don't remember. It would have been before it was, it was probably around like 27 or so. So I think that maybe like I met you a little bit before, but like the first time I like really spent time with you, I think was right around your 30th birthday. And I remember you talking about it. And first it was like really attractive. Um, like in just like a, I like she is okay with like, she's not trying to sugarcoat it and being like, Oh yeah. Singleness is great. But at the same time you were like telling yourself gospel truth the whole time through it. And I remember it was really impactful for me when you um, were talking about life doesn't start at marriage. Life has already started. Like if I'm not doing these things now, I'm not going to be doing them married. And I like, I'm, you buying the couches is something that has always stood out in my mind. And, um, I, when we moved to Knoxville, well, when I moved to Knoxville, Randy and I were not married, obviously, but we were in our like not dating, dating phase. And I bought a house, um, in Knoxville, but in the back of my mind, it was like, well, am I ruining my chances to get married to Randy? But I like remember what you said. I was like, okay, life doesn't begin at marriage. And like, I want this for like hospitality sake and just to, you know, have stability when all of your roommates are, you know, their life is progressing. And so you have to like get displaced every time someone graduates or gets married or so, yeah, I've always just appreciated how you have been able to communicate your emotions through all of your struggles, but specifically singleness, like you have not sugarcoated it, but you've also been able to, you've not been afraid to cry over it, but you've also in the tears been able to believe truth. Yeah. So. And that's only by God's grace. Cause I do not feel like I, I, I really will say there was that major turning point in my late twenties when I recognized some of those, like the idolatry that I had in my heart of, yeah. And some of those things. So yeah, I'm okay. I'm, I'm super thankful. Like just, just thinking now about it, it was, you know, Hillary is on staff with a college ministry in her early twenties. Like what, when did you go on staff? I was 22, I think when I went 22. on staff. 22. And yeah. so she meets you and then you're come. you're just kind of um, coming to this point in your life where it's like, okay, you realize the idolatry of, of, you know, marriage, how bad you want to get married and uh, where it's like a closed, you know, grip on it and uh and then you're helping hillary and all, through not the just same me struggles, but like all these women yeah through the same struggles that you had you know on staff with the college ministry and uh so maybe that's a good you know point to transition is you know you offer to talk about just the struggles of singleness maybe we kind of transition into what were some of the struggles kind of toward the beginning um when you first, I guess, came on staff? Yeah, I would say probably, um, and I, and this was probably consistent throughout of just, um, sometimes just the loneliness or that ache for companionship. Um, I think those things were definitely prevalent. I think the loneliness, um, I began to learn, I, I guess I don't need to get into how I began to, but I, I think like the loneliness got better as I began to like, learn to let God fill me and satisfy me. But that definitely, I think the loneliness was a real thing. I think, 
um, yeah, just wanting a companion to do life with and alongside of. And, um, I think even just like, um, I struggled with a lot of like comparison with other girls or feeling like what's wrong with me, or maybe I should do something different. And that's like, what's kind of the formula here to get the husband. And, um, that was definitely, like I said, I think I mentioned that early on, I think even sexual desires I struggled with and just, um, longing for things that I wasn't able <laughs> to, to be fulfilled as a single woman. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, being, feeling sad or feeling misunderstood by others, the older I got, especially into my thirties, um, people being very like, why aren't you married? What's your problem? What's your deal? Do you not like, like just questioning things and not, um, feeling just misunderstood. I think even just struggles of Hillary mentioned this earlier of just, I mean, I've probably lived with, I don't know how many roommates I've had, but I mean, every year, just the turnover after turnover of roommates and trying to find new ones over and over and over again. Um, that, that was hard at times. And I, it, at times I was like, I'm over this and this I'm done, but I also at times really loved it. Um, and I think, um, yeah, just the, I think I, I remember a specific, a really specific time. I think I was around 24. It was actually, it was like my second year working on staff with campus outreach. And I was really jealous of a girl. She was getting not only the marriage that I wanted, but it was with a guy that I wanted. And, um, that was really hard. I, I had to really wrestle in my heart with the jealousy and, and, and constantly, I mean, you're celebrating others. I mean, throughout my whole time of singleness, I can't, I mean, I can't tell you how many bridal showers, weddings, births, you know, like, baby showers, celebrating, 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 and feeling like it was hard to not at times feel pity for myself. Like, woe is me. You know, I think all of those um, things can creep in definitely were, were definitely things that could um, easily have dominated my life um, of just, or bitterness or things like that, anger towards others or God or men or things like that. So those were some of the struggles I felt like were at varying points, but some throughout the whole time, I guess as well. Okay. I've got, um, you know, I've, I wanted to, to back up a little bit. You, you mentioned some things there that like, I think we could really you know, unpack, but you tell me if, Hey, no, let's not unpack them. Okay. And so you know, this, this is the first time I've been like, okay, tell me more about your struggles as a woman. So, um, but one was you mentioned like there's a formula, you know, to get married. And Mm -hmm. I was just wondering, you know, in your mind, kind of what was the formula? I think I thought, um, and I'd heard well-intentioned talks on like, if you want to marry a king, you need to be a queen and good, good intentions of that. Like I did want to marry a godly man. And I think the thought behind that is like, well, then you need to, you, you're not going to marry a great guy if you're not a great girl, you know, that kind of idea. But what I thought was, okay, well, there's a certain level of like, holiness or spiritualness that I need to reach and either a I'm not there but then that was confusing for me because I'd see girls around me who I pridefully thought I was better than or more spiritually mature than or girls that were now younger than me or not only age but also spiritually they were younger than me so that my formula was confusing because it was sort of like that can't be true because they're less like they're younger in their faith or they're younger in their age than me so but they're getting the husband and I'm not. So either I'm not spiritual enough or it just, it was whack thinking. But I think I thought like I had to reach sort of a certain level, sort of if I get the A plus B equals C. So if I'm spiritual enough and like 
he's, you know, we'll just meet and everything will we'll live happily ever after. But that didn't happen. And I think I also, I mentioned this earlier, just that not just being a certain level of spiritual, but also a certain level of contentment, like, mm-hmm. okay, I must just be super discontent because I'm not getting the husband. And I thought I need to be more content. I need to be more content, 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 like, and then I'll get the husband. And when you're least looking for it, then God will bring him into your life. That was kind of what people told me all the time, you know, and I'm like, okay, I'm going to stop looking for him. It's like, well, how do you do that? Anyway, just that all of those formulas were so frustrating to me because they didn't work for me, but it seemed like they're working for other people or they weren't, they, they didn't add up because I didn't, I, I knew discontent girls who got married right. and I knew not very spiritual girls who got married and I was mad. <laughs> so yeah, that's my honest no, answer about some of those things. Well, even on that, so you said that you went eight years without even going on a date. And yeah. I'm wondering if you can pinpoint if uh, probably a lot of those things that you just said were some of the lies that you believed, but can you pinpoint any other lies that you might have believed about yourself or about God or anything like that in that season of? Yeah, I mean, I think I definitely believe like. I'm not like, I must not be pretty enough or, um, you know, there might, I don't know, is, is there something wrong with my personality? Am I not, like, am I too intimidating or too not like, I, I just didn't know. Like, I think I felt like there's something wrong with me. Um, yeah. I must be the problem. Um, or just believing I honestly too, I would say I, not only did I believe lies about myself, but I believed the lie that God was was withholding good from me that he was, um, that he wasn't good, that he was good to everyone else, but he wasn't good to me and, or that he'd forgotten me or he didn't see me or, I mean, things that like I knew intellectually, but honestly, at the end of the day, probably really doubted, like God just doesn't care about me as much as he cares about all my friends who are getting, who are in the game. They're getting to live life and I'm just kind of sitting on the sidelines watching everybody have fun and play in the game the you know, the real life dating and marriage game. And here right. I am just, I'm just on the sidelines, you know? So those are probably a lot of the lies that I believed um, during that time for sure. Did you ever have guys like this happened to me a couple of times and I can imagine if it happened to me, it definitely happened to you where it was almost like you were too much of a leader, like, you were on staff for so long with campus outreach and you had done so much ministry and were such a wonderful spiritual leader that you were like unleadable for these. Yeah. I had some guys that I worked with tell me that, which was, I think they were meaning as a compliment, but I actually felt really discouraged by it because it sort of felt like, well, my options then are to either stop working in ministry, which I love and feel very called to, and God's given me a great passion for and, it felt like, well, maybe I should just be this cute little, like, I don't know, homemaker who works with kids and shows a guy that I'm like really good with these, with cooking and kids. And then he'll like me, you know, like, I don't know. I I think I, I never actually considered that because I was too committed and loved what I did. But like, those were thoughts that I had of like, am I, is that who I'm supposed to be? But then again, that broke down because I knew girls who you know, didn't equal that either. And we're still married. So it's just, I think all of these things just came, it came down to like, again, thinking that wrong thinking about God really and wrong thinking about who he is. And that as though like marriage is a gift to be earned or deserved or, you know, and I, I did believe, I think for a long time that like, I got owed it to me in some ways. Like I'd been a, 
felt like I've been a good Christian. Like you should give me what I want. <laughs> like, um, and so I think I believe that too. Like, why, what's, what have I done to you guys? <laughs> like that you're yeah. felt like a punishment, you know, but it yeah. clearly wasn't, but I, those are things that crept in my head at times. That's so good. Yeah, I want to I want to back up just a second to uh, just relationships with other men. So one thing that Hillary and I like we we admire about you is, uh, or let me just ask you this: what what were your relations like relationships like with other men? So there was no dates, but um, yeah, what was your relationship with other men? Yeah, during that time. Yeah, early twenties. I mean. I would say in college, I had some guy friends, but no, I, I was never really the girl that had like the best guy friends. I always had great girlfriends and had tons of fun with my girlfriends, but, and had some guys that I was friends with, but no one that I was like BFFs with keeping in touch with post-college and any of that. And then joined, um, campus RH staff, my right, like a year out of college. And I worked actually with four single guys. And that time was actually really redemptive for me. I, I not I didn't necessarily have a terrible view of men. I, I hadn't had any like major terrible experiences with guys necessarily. Even I'd had some boyfriends, none of whom were like terrible. They weren't incredible guys or by any means we were in high school. But like all that to say, I, I will say it was really redemptive and just that I worked with four guys who treated me so respectfully, so honorable, like with just, I, I've never been treated like that before. And so that was like a really neat time for me to just develop, be friends with guys. I lived in a small town in Missouri. That was kind of a college town. Didn't really have a lot of options for friends at all. My best friends were like two women in their sixties and the single guys that I worked with were kind of like, those were my people. So I, I feel like that was like the first time that I truly was like friends with guys um, that I had like good and healthy, meaningful relationships with. And then from that point on, I didn't really, um, again, I still, I wasn't, I never really had any close guy friends until, um, I developed a friendship with a guy that I would say actually was, it turned out to be really unhealthy because a lot of the things that I had told people, like told girls not to do who were, you know, I'm like, well, they're in college, they're younger and I'm in my thirties now. And I, I did develop a really deep, probably too emotionally connected with a guy that ended up being really hurtful and harmful in the end. But, um, apart from that, I would say I had a lot of awkward dates, um, many awkward dates. I was pretty open to go out on dates. By the time I got asked on a date, I was, I think I was around 27. I mean, yeah, I'd been a Christian since I was 18 and I was probably 26 or 27 by the time I got asked on my first date. And, had a series of probably, well, series or maybe I should say years of <laughs> years of, of awkward, awkward dates. And, and a real couple quick, guys, how many, how many guys did you date the week that you met your husband? <laughs> okay. So <laughs> I never got, I like, I rarely got asked on dates, but when I did, I, I tried to say yes, just because I felt like, what do I have to lose? Why not give it a shot and see what God would have, as long as they were like, a believer or a professing, I wasn't just like randomly letting any, like go out with any guy. I don't mean that. I just mean guys that were within the Christian circles or had been recommended to me, whatever. So there was only two, there was one guy, there was two Johns. My husband is John. And there was another John who had asked me out all within like two days. And I had said yes to both because they were just dates in my mind. Like I wasn't, I didn't feel like I was like, 
cheating on a boy by going on a date. It was just a date. And so, yes, I did um, have, there was just two, Hillary. There oh. was nothing more. I thought that there was more than two that week. I knew there well, were, but they were on the same day or something like that because then didn't husband well, John my, break, my car break down? John's and car broke down and which apparently, you know, the Lord was sovereign and all of that now, but he started cutting in on the second John's time cutting in, but I didn't know that that was going to happen because you're supposed to have left two days before. Okay. That's what and, it was. Uh, yeah. So it's quite a comical story. If you ever want to, funny, so John's um, like helping you pack up your house as you're about to move to Denver. And you're like, I got to go on a date soon <laughs> with another John actually. So yeah. yeah, that's kind of comical, but so that was not the norm by any means, but I did, you know, take a chance and say yes to both Johns. And here we are. One of them is my husband, but, um, yeah. So I don't know if that, I don't know if that answers your question, Randy, but yeah, no, yeah, I, it does. It does. It helps me. One, one thing I think he's wanting to know, especially and, and this doesn't just apply to singleness, but with you, you have really great leadership skills. You're super like you love the Lord a lot. And, you know, you're in your 30s working with these guys who have just graduated college and they're really great leaders, might be a little prideful. Um, But there's times when you're probably under the leadership of like a 23-year-old and you're like 33 and so I think that like Randy's wondering, Randy's wondering how... How's your was heart it for that? you yeah. to take leadership from these guys? And obviously that's not every single person's situation, but you've yeah. always done a good job of like, like really loving like the qualities of a biblical man and the qualities of a biblical woman. And so even in your singleness, I feel like you were helping these young men to become leaders. Yeah, I did try to see it as an opportunity, like recognizing. So, yes, I had them as like a supervisor at times, but I also always had like a boss who was more, who was either older than me or more my peer. So that did help in the sense of like, I wasn't, they weren't necessarily always like, do this, go here, you know, like whatever. But at the same time, I did really want to like, build them up and encourage them as my brothers in Christ, knowing that these are young men. I don't want to like squelch them and like completely step stomp all over them and, you know, hurt them in their like learning to lead. And learn. like, I, I honestly, I think partly because I, I wanted to see men lead and I wanted to see men, I, I mean, still do, but I, I want to yeah. see men, be leaders and develop in that. And I didn't want to be the one like just crushing um, a guy who was trying to learn. And that doesn't mean I did it perfectly by any means, but I, I did really try to like honor their opinions or give them ideas or um, have fun with them as just a brother in Christ, even though, yeah, we're oftentimes, I mean, that's pretty much been the story of my life since I was, you know, getting older and working with Kim Sarge. Most of the staff get are young and I just kept getting older, but um, I think, I, I honestly had a lot of fun with some of the younger guys and enjoyed it. And so it, it felt more like a brother sister, like I'm the big sister. You're my little brother. And we, I love you as a brother and I'm going to, and I think it helped because there was a large age gap that there typically wasn't any sort of like romantic. Um, that's, that wasn't always true, but there typically wasn't always a romantic interest. So it did feel very freeing for me to like 
really encourage them at times without feeling like, oh, are they going to think I like them or them to be honest with me about things and them not worry if I was going to like that, you know, things like that were really, it helped actually in some ways for me to just be an older sister who could support and care for them and love them and help them be a leader versus like compete with them. And I, I didn't necessarily always want to necessarily be in the roles that they were in. I had an opportunity at one point to be in a roll over some of the younger guys. And I honestly chose not to just, I would prefer those aren't my strengths anyway (laughs) to lead in some of the ways that they can. And so I actually preferred for them just to, to do that, but that's my own personal, um, whatever, but I, I did enjoy building them up in some ways just to encourage them knowing that those men will be husbands and fathers and leaders, you know, in their churches one day. And I don't want to be the one to have completely, yeah, just ruined them from trying to. And I really think that one thing, like it takes a lot of humility to do that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, But I think one thing that's so encouraging about singleness is like, even if someone's not going to be your future husband or wife, you really can, like you mentioned this, even with those guys that you worked with your first little bit on staff. And I experienced it with my first little bit on staff. I was on a team with six single guys for a little bit, but like you said that they could be really redeeming. And I feel like even what you're experiencing now is the other way. Like I, I bet that some of these guys having that relationship with you, it probably redeemed the way they view women. Um, in the same way that like working with these single guys redeemed men to us. And so I think there is like a, a really good sweetness to like when singleness is lived out well in community and just when masculinity and femininity is lived out well in community, we can kind of like, it's just a, a sweet family feel. So and the, like you said, there is redemption for when people have not acted when men have not acted masculine, women have not acted acted feminine. Those roles have been perverted and marred, and and people a lot of manipulation manipulated. Place. And, and so it's like, but when you when you're in that and it's good masculinity, or masculinity is always good. There's never a toxic masculinity. It's always good um, when it's true masculinity. When it's true masculinity, yeah, that's right. When um, and then femininity, it's like so when it's done right, it is beautiful and it does redeem our our bad ideas of men and women. Yeah. Yeah. Um, all right. So let's, uh, what are some ways that you were able to invest your singleness? Which we've kind of talked a little Um, bit about that, but yeah, I've definitely hit on some of that, but I, I think one of the greatest blessings that I can honestly say a few months into marriage that I looked back on, it was like, man, I missed that was just my like intimate relationship with God that he really was. I know he still is my best friend and he still is my, like the lover of my soul. All of those things are still true, but I really do have a divided. I mean, my heart is more divided now in terms of like my, my time and energy and all those things with a husband and kids and all of that. But I, I think like just the time I was able to invest in my relationship with God and have long dates with God outside or taking walk prayer walks or things that I can still do now, obviously, but just, it looks different. And I think just the, um, just, I remember often singing a song about one of the lines said that he, Jesus meets and supplies our every need. And I just, I, I think one of the things that I 
look back on with my singleness that I was so thankful to invest in was just that at that time with God that I really looked to him to be my everything and to satisfy my every need. I had no one else to turn to. I couldn't call my husband for anything. I didn't have one. I didn't have, I had friends and close community, but, um, just struck, you know, it just things that I, I could only run to the Lord for. And I, I do miss that as like something that I'm so thankful that I really invested my, in my relationship with God. And then I think, um, I think just being able to like pour my life into others and, um, be able to really invest in others' lives instead of just, um, being selfish with my time. I think being able, not that I I was not, there was obviously times that I was selfish, but I think pouring my life into others and being able to, um, give my life away, both through sharing the gospel, discipling women, mentoring some of our staff, um, being able to help them in their struggles, like serving others, I think really took my mind off of myself and things that, um, you know, could have been, you know, pity parties and woe is me, but really able to like pour time into others. Um, I think investing it, I was able to travel a ton for various like missions. Um, also just traveled with friends and had a ton of fun. Um, I would say like just even invested in friendships and with roommates and friends and I mean, Hillary, I can think of, I mean, some of my favorite fun memories when I was single are with you and just the laughs and the time of just like having tons of fun with girlfriends. And, um, I think also I, I was thinking about just investing in like serving others. I I mentioned that earlier, but specifically like serving families with their kids or, um, hosting others, like just the time and availability that I had that is different now as a married woman and with kids that I don't have some of that same capacity for, but I had so much time to just give to others and to pour out to others. And even financially, I think just being able to invest in, in things that are of the Lord and other people. And, um, I think, yeah, just being able to give generously of time and money and things like that, um, in my singleness. And then just recognizing like, this is not like, I think our culture tells us like singleness is all about you. It's your, it's me time, me, me, me. And I'm like, I think just recognizing through honestly different books I read or articles that like singleness is not a time for me. It's, it's not like a selfishness. Like, let me just do everything for me, 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 but actually like, let me pour out and really not only invest in that relationship with the Lord, like no other time that I'll ever get back, but also investing in others. So, um, yeah, those are a couple of the things that came to mind. That's so good. Because yeah. those are, those are just things that we don't realize how much, like, we're even investing in those things until, you know, like you said, your attention does become divided. And then yeah, you kind of miss the sweetness of the season. It's, well, you it's easy to miss the sweetness of a season. Yeah. Past. And that's something that I would say, even back to some of those struggles, that you, I think I always was like, the grass would be greener somewhere else. Mm -hmm. And so I think that was one thing that I constantly had to wrestle with was like the grass isn't, I mean, so many of my friends, even, I mean, I had friends already before I even got married who were divorced and who were in really hard marriages or really difficult life situations and recognizing like getting married doesn't solve my problems or make me like fulfill me. Like the grass is not greener. It's just different. And like, they're different things that God has given. So I think that had to, I really had to get that in my head too, that like, I mean, I'll get into that eventually too, just some of the truths, but like where God has me now is, is 
the the good and pleasant place that he has for me and like it's not um yeah it's not plan b the grass isn't greener somewhere else and life isn't going to get better somewhere else like until you know we're with jesus face to face and all of that but um so yeah well you've mentioned some of these truths a couple times but what are some of the gospel truths that you really clung to in singleness yeah i think um probably that i and i've mentioned this already so much but probably the biggest thing is just like, is God is good and he yeah. is not withholding good from me. Psalm 84 11 was constantly the verse that I would go back to. And I still give out to girls all the time of like, it, it says that no good thing does he withhold from him whose walk is blameless. And so I knew that God was not withholding something. He wasn't dangling, you know, this fun idea of marriage in front of me and taking it away, which I often could feel but God was good. He was being good to me. He wasn't withholding good from me. Um, I think also just um, the idea that like Jesus does satisfy and meet my every need and longing. I, again, Psalm 16, talking about the boundary lines have fallen for me in pleasant places. Surely I have a delightful inheritance. Like just Psalm 90, 14, talking about satisfying us. Like, um, I mean, obviously the idea that... <laughs> Jesus loves me, which is so simple, but I can remember singing to God multiple times, like about his deep, deep love and begging God to help me to believe like Mm. he loves me so deeply more than any man ever will more than anyone ever could. And so that is something I think that I was like, and all of these things still are true in marriage. Like I don't, it's not like I, I still, I still have to claim these things and believe these same truths in marriage. And so, um, and I also think like God's grace was enough for each day. Like it was God sustained me each day. It wasn't like if someone would have told me when I was 18 that I wasn't going to get married for another 18 years, I would have probably been like, oh my gosh, that sounds terrible. Like that was like my worst nightmare. And honestly, like I would talk to girls in their twenties when I was in my thirties and they're like, you're living my worst nightmare, you know? And I'm like, it's not my worst nightmare. This is glorious and great. Like God has really been good to me. Yeah. doesn't mean it hasn't been without struggle, but I think like, I say all that to say, like, I really do. I see how God's grace sustained me each Mm -hmm. day and continues to sustain me each day. Not like, because I'm, it's not like, again, well, once I got married, I don't need God's grace or God's love or his goodness. Like all of those things are still just as needed to believe and truth to, because John does not meet my every need. John yeah. does not love me perfectly. He's wonderful, but he is not Jesus. And so I think all of those things. And also I remember at a, I had a mentor um, who was in her late seventies at the time and single. And she would, she, I remember her telling me the story of Hagar in Genesis and when Hagar proclaim that God is a God who sees, like he's Mm. the God who sees. And I just remember thinking like, God sees me, like he hasn't forgotten me. And, um, some of those things I think are truths that I had to constantly go back to and remind myself of, um, and still go back to, I mean, literally I can think of the other day walking in my living room and praying, God, you are the God who satisfies and meets the deepest longings of my heart. Would you do that right now? Would you Mm. bring me joy in your presence? Like, all of those same things. And I'm so thankful for those years of singleness that I I think if I would have gotten married when I wanted to at 22, I would have been so sorely disappointed that like marriage did not meet all. I mean, I just was not, I don't think I would have been prepared for like the disappointment that it would have brought. (laughs) I'm very thankful, not because my marriage has been disappointing. I don't mean that. I just mean in general, marriage doesn't meet all your, like all the things that I thought it would be, 
it just couldn't have met those sort of expectations. Yeah. So I'm thankful that I learned that only Jesus can. That's so in all good. Of those years. So, because I think that like so much, which I, in a lot of ways I probably learned so much of this from you. But the same like God will not withhold good from me. Like it would be impossible for God to be any less good to me than He was at Calvary. And at Calvary, He died on the cross. He gave His life. And like, you know, this, if, if I don't ever get married, God is still good. And I remember like real similar to what you're saying, you know, our first year or so of marriage to me was not the most enjoyable year of my life. It was really difficult. And I remember praying to the Lord and, you know, we we have this collage of different um, pictures and like quotes and sayings and stuff. And a lot of them are little like, um, calligraphy art things that have little like truths that I would cling to in singleness. And in our first year of marriage, I was praying and I looked up at the wall and was like, Oh my gosh, all of these same promises like still apply. Like it's still, God is still good. God still does not withhold good. Um, all that sort of stuff. And so, and then when we had a miscarriage, it was like all of the same truths that I had been telling myself in singleness, was what like we I had to cling to in that and now I'm just realizing like those are not just singleness promises those are life promises but real sin like what you just described is walking intimately with Jesus and yeah. um, I think you, you're kind of saying that you learn to walk intimately with Jesus because of singleness and I think that I can relate with that a lot and it's something I'm really thankful for as well. And most of what I have said are things that, honestly, just older women and mentors in my life taught me that I just pass on to others or, you know, an article or a book or things like that, which I can share some of those as well that were really impactful. But yeah, I would say I learned and then just passed it on to others because it was so impactful to me. So. So on that note, what is some advice or encouragements that you would give to somebody who is single and wanting to be married? Yeah. Well, I think, um, I think, you know, first, which is what I said was something I'm so thankful that I invested in was just invest in your relationship with God and invest in others. I think like reminding yourself that single, your singleness is not just this inferior state of affairs that you're in, like that you're stuck in. (laughs) And, but it's really can be a time to just invest and pour out into others. And so, um, you're not, yeah, don't just like be waiting around. Um, but I think really invest it and like make the most of it by getting to know God more, getting to know others. I think live in close community. I think of like all of the people that God placed in my life as family and those companion. I mean, I, I feel like God provided for me that companionship that I long for that, you know, even small things when my car would break down or I needed to get something with a car or something with a house that I needed like someone's help or opinion out, you know, I feel like God always provided some of these families from the church just to come alongside me and help me and walk with me in those things. And so I can't stress enough just how important, like, building deep and meaningful relationships with those in your like church community. And some of that really is because it you're still in relationship with people being single. Doesn't mean you're not in relationship. You're just not in a marriage relationship, but you're, you're still in relationship and called to community and like in those relationships with people. And those are so important. And so I think I would just, um, 
And, and I think continuing to celebrate others was really good for me. Although yes, there was times when it was hard to go to the 50 million, you know, shower and Mm. give someone else, you know, a gift that I wanted or whatever. (laughs) I think those were so good for me to keep my heart from like, yeah, just growing bitter and cold towards like others. And I think like continuing to be able to celebrate. And there was times that I had to like, there's various seasons where I wasn't able to do all of that super well, but I would say like being able to celebrate and rejoice with those who were rejoicing. You know, in that you, so I think it's really common for people who want to get married or want to have babies, you know, who are struggling in singleness or struggling with infertility or, or both, um, to grow really bitter in celebrating others. Do you have anything that you would like kind of encourage those people with? Yeah. I mean, I think like, I, I think just like choosing to, I mean, I think you have to go back to all, like all of the same truths that I shared before, because Mm -hmm. if you're not believing those things and you, your heart will grow bitter because you are, you're not only assuming God, assuming the worst of God, but you're now, um, getting angry towards others for getting what you want. And I just think me, I, I think for me personally, it was really helpful to continue to be able to go to their weddings or go to their showers to celebrate them and to rejoice with them versus like sitting at home and just like, woe is me. You know, I'm not like, now was there times when it just wasn't the best thing for me to be at a certain shower or wedding? Of course, I'm sure there, I mean, I'm sure there were times when I needed to pull away for various reasons or, you know, whatever. But I, I would say by and large, just remembering like God has called us to rejoice with those who are rejoicing, weep with those who weep. And I felt like, um, I did, I wanted to come alongside and like, I didn't want to, I felt like for me, it was, I would have a tendency to probably, yeah, just grow more bitter or weary in my singleness if I was to not choose to, um, celebrate some of those women. What, and that didn't just mean I had to celebrate them in their shower or merit. Like right. there was other ways, but I just think like being able to take my eyes off of myself and like, That's good. and praying, God, would you help me to, to be joyful and like celebrate her right now when I, I feel sad about myself and I don't, you know, help me, give me joy, give me, um, just the grace to sustain me through, yeah. the 10th bridal shower of this weekend, you know, or whatever, <laughs> like, right. um, so anyway, yeah, those would be my thoughts. That's good. But I also was going to say that I think like, I can think of three women particularly wh- who I would say God used, um, to just sustain me in some ways through some of like my later, like in my thirties, particularly two of whom were older, um, just like mentor figures that, um, I think, and both were happened to be single. I don't think that like, I'm, I'm encouraging basically you to find some, some women to, to, to mentor you. And just, it doesn't have to be someone who's single for me. That was really helpful because I felt like they just, they got it. They understood it. And they were walking with God. They love Jesus and they were continuing to serve others well into their, one was in their forties and one was in their seventies. And I'm like, this is so encouraging. Like, I don't have to be this old maid who's just, live this terrible life because I am single. Like I had like one, I have hope because I have Jesus, but I had hope and encouragement from their lives as well of like, 
I can live a great and fulfilling, satisfying life and still, and not be just this old grumpy lady one day, if I never get married, like my mentors were such an encouragement to me in that. And also I, God provided just, God provided a friend and a roommate who I lived with for seven years that, Mm. and honestly, we were, we did everything together. (laughs) Like we, 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 I mean, we didn't need each other in like a codependent unhealthy way, but like I just, I thank God for her. I, I know that God placed her in my life and we're the most opposite people you could imagine. You know her yeah. and you laugh because it's hilarious that we're good friends because we are probably the most opposite people. But you know, if you're in a situation, I, I just, I thank God that he provided those three women in my life that I can honestly say that was his goodness and his grace to me in those, those later years of my thirties, especially that, um, or in my thirties, I guess you could say, just because I think, um, yeah, God just, they were people that, um, God provided us some of those companions and mentors and encouragement, um, when I needed it. So I would encourage you to find just friends and mentors and pray. If you don't have one of those that God would provide that. And I don't think it's wrong to pray for a spouse. I don't think it's wrong to long for a spouse. I think I would say I idolize, like I recognize the idolatry of that. And there can be a really unhealthy, like constant thought of that. But I, I still, I I mean, I was still praying. I I can think of times of just journaling and pouring out my heart to the Lord, just honest prayers of those longings and those, those cries to God. And I, I don't, I mean, yeah, I think that's something that um, is just practical of just being honest before the Lord and laying those desires before him. And that grew my intimate relationship with him, but also, um, I, I had to hold that loosely knowing like I, I wasn't promised marriage, which I, I think I once thought I was, um, but recognized like, I'm not promised this. Mm. Um, but God, I, I pray to that end. I, I long for that. And I think that's it. That's an okay prayer to pray. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, but I also think there's a dangerous, especially I think it, I, I don't know if I, I don't know if I can say, especially in the South and especially in sometimes in Christian circles, but I think there is this expectation that you, get married and when you're 21 and, you know, kind of start your life and begin this, you know, and that's really hard when that doesn't happen and you have a lot of pressure from people. And so anyway, I don't know where I, how I got off on that tangent. No, I think just listening to you talk, Lindsay, I really, yeah, I thank God how much he's formed you and uh, through, through the struggles, like through trials. And I just, yeah, I listen to you now. I'm like, you know, what an incredible woman God has grown you um, into, and uh, it's encouraging. And uh, so, yeah, just very thankful for you and very thankful for um, just your um, input into Hillary and uh, and how much you have uh, poured into her. And, and it's absolutely incredible and uh, so thankful for this opportunity to sit down and talk with you. Yeah. So good to see you. And well, I appreciate you guys giving me the opportunity and pray that God would use it to encourage others. Like others have encouraged me. Like I said, I can just pass that on to others. So, yeah. All right. Well, thanks for joining us. Come back next time for another episode of Reclaiming Families. Thank you for listening to Reclaiming Families. Check us out at reclaimingfamilies.org where you can find our latest podcasts, blogs, news and events. We look forward to seeing you all next time.